0: Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast with Simon Cocking, Senior Editor. I'll be doing a series of interviews with people at the cutting edge of green tech, clean tech and anything else that we think is interesting and worth listening to for you guys, our listeners. Okay, so uh, today, continuing our theme of talking with people who are at the cutting edge of innovation and also i guess in the tech for good space uh, we have somebody who we've been chatting for a while about pinning down a time that works so i'm really happy to have you on and uh, i guess first of all who am i talking to and, uh, and and what's your role
1: so you're talking to another simon simon Zale, and i am the head of the secretariat of something that the un secretary general set up which is a high level task force looking at how to effectively harness digitalization in accelerating financing of the sustainable development goals
0: okay so that sounds that that makes sense and we've done some stuff on the 17 uh, sdgs um, what wh- what are you specifically looking to lead out and and how how do you plan to how how would it help people so much of what has been said
1: at the nexus of digital and finance and sustainability has been focused really on financial inclusion, quite rightly, you know, focused on how you, if you like, bank the unbanked, both at the individual level and increasingly across you know, a broad range of small and medium-sized enterprises, SMEs. Um, this task force was set up by the Secretary General to build on that work and go beyond it. Yeah, how does the digitalization of capital markets make a difference? Um, how does um, digitalization shift the way in which public finance can be more effectively used and public institutions held more effectively to account? How can uh, digitalization, uh, whether it be through the use of blockchain or other means change the way in which domestic savings can flow into long-term development finance? So I think the sort of the landscape question was to get beyond financial inclusion to build on that work and really focus on the broader financing challenge and the role that digitalization can play in more effectively aligning finance with the SDGs.
0: Okay, great. Um, so. How would this help uh, to achieve sustainability goals? Because uh, w- we've reviewed a few books that, that look at it, and sometimes some companies kind of pick and choose the ones that they like. Um, so so ha- how does this initiative help to float float the whole boat, I guess, with uh, the SDGs? So
1: high-level task forces um, under the SG typically um, are not programmatic, but exploratory. Uh, and so you know, I won't point to a project we're doing in Uganda, if you like, to give uh, uh, the points some edge. Uh, And so the task force, which comprised 17 different people ranging from, you know, the executive chairman of the Ant Group, the world's largest fintech company, you know, through to, Mm you know, the chief executive of the World Bank, um, the chief executive of DBS, Southeast Asia's largest bank, uh, the chief executive of Echo Cash uh, in Zimbabwe, uh, and a number of UN heads of agencies. Uh, so, firstly, this was not um, a UN effort uh, alone, but was, if you like, curated by the UN. And what we were trying to figure out was first of all, what are the large scale opportunities for deploying digital in a more effective way to align finance with the SDGs and maybe. I can give a couple of examples to kind of bring that down Great. to the ground, and and then go back to um, broader issues of recommendations we made and actions we've taken around governance issues. So, so on the example side, let me start perhaps with one in Bangladesh, <clears throat> and one in Zimbabwe to illustrate some of the areas that we have been working in uh, and focusing on. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So, Zimbabwe uh, has uh, a dominant uh, payments platform provider, which is called Echo Cash, the CEO of whom Natalie Jabungwe sat on the task force. Um, uniquely, Echo Cash has launched a stock exchange in Zimbabwe that uses payments data in order to undertake due diligence and establish credit rating of potential companies listed on stock on that stock exchange that would be seeking to secure debt uh, and or equity <clears throat> so what does that what does that mean it means that for the first time ever anywhere um, we have moved payments data into capital markets to undertake credit ratings that allow in a continent where financing fast growth companies is, you know, a very difficult thing to do to allow more effective due diligence and credit worthiness to be assessed of potential fast growth companies in Zimbabwe and to offer, a, of course, a digital platform to allow anyone anywhere in the world to provide lending debt or equity um, to support the growth of those companies. Uh, I would hesitate but nevertheless make the prediction that in five or ten years time you know uh, perhaps unusually um stock exchanges around the world will point to zimbabwe as the first country that took forward this approach that will by that time be emulated you know across multiple major stock exchanges in the world mm-hmm. now that of course addresses a really interesting development challenge, which is countries with weak capital markets, which are most developing countries. Yeah, you know, how do you channel financing to fast growth potential companies, uh, particularly in the tech space? Um, and illustrates how digitalization allows one to break down the barrier between, if you like, retail payments, Yeah, you know, the kind of classic payments provider um, into capital markets and use the data from the former and the latter. Um, So that would be my first example. And it it sort of illustrates, I think, a simple point, which is, you know, digital is not just about, you know, providing a bit of data that supports an interesting financial product, which helps people access money that they couldn't access before. Um, It can really shift entire financial ecosystems, drive capital markets forward in ways that they were simply not there previously can use data from one part of the financial system for another part of the financial system in ways that have never been tried before
0: which is potentially very exciting very positive and could move things forward quickly and um, so there's there's like a genre of books at the moment perhaps most easily characterized by reimagining capitalism which is looking at the way we've done business until now is is maximizing shareholder value rather than a uh, society planet environment so so this sounds very positive and could make a difference um is 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 the hope i mean so another example say china just axed the plans for 150 coal power stations because they decided that solar and renewables was cheaper and they didn't need to stick with legacy things are, are you hoping optimistic that this could similarly help to nudge things forward in in a faster way than we've been able to change things previously. Look,
1: financing is the lifeblood of the global economy and the way in which not just finance flows, but the financial system works, dictates in many ways, what we build for whom and what kind of effects they have. You know, clearly the decision by China to cut back on their Coal-fired power energy, the uh, energy generation build-out, you know, is to be welcomed, um, but a lot of that work, yeah, has actually involved engaging with the financial community in China or elsewhere in finding ways to crystallise the risk of carbon on their balance sheets and reduce the extent to which they think those make profitable investments. On the digital side, on the other hand, um, yeah, you know, I think China obviously. Is advanced. Uh, and I think an example from China that touches on another aspect of the work of the task force is perhaps called for. I mentioned one of the members of the task force um, is the executive chairman of the Ant group, which is mm. the <clears throat> sort of uh PayPal equivalent spin-off from Alipa- Alibaba, um, but is you know now uh a platform with over a billion users uh, both in China and elsewhere
0: oh um, yeah I mean they're you know with Ant, Ant Forests and they're yeah, investing so, in a lot of EU uh, like transfer wise I think in currency fair so yeah they're they're gonna have a massive influence in this area
1: so so Ant Forest was developed by uh, Ant along with UNEP when I was at UNEP in 2016 okay. mm-hmm. um, and uh, some of your Uh, uh, listeners will know it, others won't. It was originally conceived of as a small scale side game that would encourage users of Alipay to take greater account of carbon in what they spend money on. And it delivered real-time carbon equivalent data based on financial transactions, uh, translated that into a sort of green energy game uh, that encouraged you to sort of game it through your social media networks. And as you grew electronic trees um, through the game that you were playing, uh, the company had then organized to go and plant uh, real trees in in Inner Mongolia and provide you with a unique GPS locator to go and look at your tree as it grows. Uh, really interesting uh, because it was the first time uh, certainly any of us have seen the use of FinTech Uh, not just as a financing mechanism, but as a way of shaping consumer behavior. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, if you like, as a feedback loop. Now, we had fully expected, so that's Ant and UNEP, perhaps a million people to sign up. Uh, And it was interesting at Davos at the beginning of 2017, we sat in a room talking about how Ant Forest had evolved. Uh, The uh, president of Switzerland there was there and I was very pleased to be able to tell her that in the previous 24 hours, more people had signed up to End Forest than the entire population of Switzerland, which by the way <laughs> is about six and a half, seven million people. Today, 500 million people have signed up to End Forest and it continues to drive people's behavior in reducing carbon, not only because people care, but because it's being gamified and translated into the kind of online odent- uh, identity that really resonates with the younger generation today. And then the second example I wanted to give, Okay, that's the behavioral side. The second example I wanted to give, you know, a little bit more technocratic, but also very important, if not more, you know, that the vast majority of people in the world today are employed by very small businesses, not by the large corporations that we see on the front pages of our newspapers. Uh, mm-hmm. And so financing, SMEs, small and medium-sized enterprises, is a big piece of the puzzle in delivering not just against one SDG, but actually delivering against many different uh, uh, SDGs. Um, Most estimates suggest that there is a financing gap of SMEs of several trillion dollars a year, uh, and the banking community, which should be doing this job, you know, regularly argue that they can't because the cost of due diligence in lending small amounts of money to SMEs and the level of delinquency, i.e., people not repaying, you know, is too high. Now, and along with a growing number of fintech platforms, are providing algorithmic lending to SMEs. What yeah, and mean? in
0: in real time, isn't it? Or very close to real time as well.
1: What does that mean in the case of And they have a three one zero model. It takes three minutes to apply one minute for uh, through algorithmic analytics, a decision to be made and effectively zero seconds to deploy the money three one zero (laughs) and Mm -hmm. through that process where never uh, where collateral is never asked for, unlike the banking community. Uh, uh, and has become the second largest SME lender in China, and it's not even really a bank. Um, What what that again tells us, yeah, is that FinTech is not just about some funky little edgy company somewhere talking about doing something interesting in financing something that's good for education or health. Not that those things are bad, but they're often very, very small scale. But here you have two examples and Forest behavioral influence of the way in which consumers spend um, and SME lending yeah the single largest employer of people around the world you know where fintech really has uh, has shown to be made has 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 made uh, what I think one could argue is a transformative shift in the way in which finance can be deployed
0: um, yeah Look, uh, 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 I think it's. I love it, and I'm glad that we were able to bring in Ant Forest on that because uh, I think it's a great project, and and like you say, it's achieved more success than people thought it would. Uh, and I think this has been the thing for a while that people have, you know, thought that you know change would come out of the West, whereas you know it's come much faster and a slightly different route via China. Uh, but it could be transformative. Um, do Do you see um, other interesting areas facilitated by this that could spin out to produce interesting and positive results uh, down the line? I know you've mentioned the Zimbabwe example and Ant Forest. Um, Do you almost have a mental checklist of if your first initiative works, what things may follow?
1: yeah i mean i think i would make the observation and i'm sure that's what you meant that many of the innovations are not coming from richer countries some mm-hmm. of them are coming from china but some of them are also coming from elsewhere for example uh, M-Pesa in kenya obviously yeah. uh well known in terms of providing um you know an extensive payment platform for people that have previously not had access to financial services but um copper you know the service model that was built on top of it the first time in which uh, payment systems, digital payment systems, have been used to enable solar energy and other forms of renewable energy to be provided to customers with no credit history because they can literally pay as you go because of the nature of digital systems. And again, in Kenya, Umakiba, which is the first government bond in the world that's been issued where only citizens with mobile devices can apply and buy slices of that bond for up to 30 US dollars. And so what, what that tells you also is that innovation is layered. Yeah, that once you have the data infrastructure in place, these data platforms, payment systems, one can begin to build this collection of services uh, on top of it. In the case of Kenya, uh, the examples of um, copper and renewable energy uh, really kind of brings that home. But But also in the case of Kenya, uh, the Amakiba bond, which points to how digital systems, particularly driven by mobile devices, you know, can tap domestic savings and channel those savings into long-term development finance, these layer upon layer uh, of innovations rather than one-off innovations that have historically intrigued us in the development space.
0: Yeah, look, I mean, and I think it's that thing, isn't it, that a bit like the way that ai and machine learning start to bring us insights far faster because they're just crunching a wider amount of data i guess what you're laying out there is is that we can see in there could be innovations that we didn't even imagine were possible but once you have the basic data you can start to make interpretations from that so it, it does make it very exciting um from, from from your perspective and 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 within the context of what you guys have been doing has has the whole uh, covid-19 corona uh Nudged behavior and maybe nudged us faster into some of the trends that could enable this to come around sooner?
1: Yeah, I mean, in a way, you know, you, you've answered your own question, you know, which is, you know, that's pand- all right. It seems perfectly reasonable as an interviewer. Um, so, you know, the COVID pandemic arrives, um, social isolation, lockdown, you know, becomes the norm, at least for periods of time across the world. Uh, and clearly, online existence becomes more important. The delivery of you know, often life saving, certainly business saving, uh, stimulus financing or financial support, safety nets from government has made extensive use of digital infrastructure in ways that we never realized would be so important. Um, the importance of online, obviously, purchasing and sales, you know, lifeline for hundreds of thousands if not millions of smes you know as well as ways in which consumers or citizens as consumers can ensure they've got the goods and services they need without having to be in contact with people these are all you know important developments that were already in play but have been accelerated by COVID. the point that you made at the outset and then i would wrap inside and perhaps one more piece because so far we've only talked about the wonders of digitalization and finance. I think it's important to kind of touch on some of the risks and issues. Over the same period, you know, clearly some of the world's largest digital platforms have got an awful lot bigger. Uh, And indeed, as we know, some of the uh, primary shareholders of some of those platforms, whether it be social media like Mark Zuckerman or whether it be uh, Bezo in Amazon and so on, you know have become an awful lot richer yeah but digitalization also because of the ease with which they can grow platforms and users you know zero incremental cost in effect yeah allows for very rapid scaling and part of the plus side of the examples i've given is that that rapid scaling can lead to very positive development outcomes but equally rapid scaling leads to monopolies Yeah, rapid scaling leads to market concentration. Rapid scaling leads to higher levels of corporate power. Um, And those are factors that we need to think about. Now, if you cast your eye across the channel to uh, uh, across the pond to the US, uh, or you look at what's happening in Brussels and indeed London today, there is an active discussion going on as to really what is the future of big tech um, particularly as big tech has become very big, and very powerful and influential across many economies, developed and developing, and yeah. the same goes for big fintech. You know what is you know what is the future of you know Google, you know Google Finance, you know or Libra's, you know Facebook's Libra, yeah, or the extension of the Ant Group into global markets, or indeed the push of the Chinese central bank to issue a global digital RMB or Chinese currency uh, uh, for international use. You know, that alongside the pluses of this rapid scale model, you know, is the need to ensure that we have effective governance as some of these platforms become really exceedingly large. And, And it would be remiss of me not to point out that the task force, as well as focusing on some of the key opportunities of which I've illustrated several, has also focused on issues of governance. Governance at the domestic level, so in particular countries, the role of central banks, financial regulators, standard setters, and so on, but also governance at the international level for these very large global platforms that cross borders and have many, many spillover effects on people's lives. Uh, And so, although, this may not seem as funky and innovative as some of the ground level fintech innovations that we all love to love. I think it's important for an audience interested in sustainable development more broadly or fintech for good more broadly, to be able to function at multiple levels, to see the potential of what can happen in the market, um, but also to see the need to innovate in the governance space equally in order to make sure that negative unintended consequences don't come to pass.
0: Look, I think you're right. I think the the ethics and the transparency has to go hand in hand with it. I mean, and, you know, I I know some of the the UN initiatives with blockchain are very much aimed at improving transparency uh, and, you know, better delivery of services with less of that. And and equally, like you say, with the fintech, Absolutely. I mean, if, you know, Cambridge Analytica and, and you know, the more that comes out, the more, you know, it's fundamentally not not the right way to do things. So, uh, like you say, I think it has to be part of the equation. And if it's not, then it gets misused, you know, and with, with the rise of populism and everything, I think it, it can be used very negatively. So uh, I would agree uh, you, you can't you can't leave that behind. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. Um, I guess a couple of final questions would be um, what? Where do you get your inspiration and information from? How how how, how do you remain up to date and aware of the most interesting things happening out there? I
1: remember in the few days, uh, first few days of the life of the task force, um, sitting with some friends of mine uh, who are deep into the blockchain space in okay. Hong Kong and mainland China. Uh, and they laughed hilariously when we talked about wanting to think to the future uh, as to how FinTech could be harnessed to support the SDGs. And I remember one of them saying to me, yeah, in the space that you made that sentence, there've been a thousand innovations that are gonna change the future in ways that we simply can't predict. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if the thousand was exactly an accurate number, um, but I think the direction of travel uh, was of course exactly right that the speed at which change is coming uh, day by day, hour by hour, the level of disruption to financial markets, the speed of innovation in different financial products, enterprises, and markets, of course, you know, belies any possibility of serious prediction. Yeah. And so we have to think about the future, not through our traditional predictive lens. Is it going to rain tomorrow or isn't it going to rain tomorrow? You know, is online purchasing going to be, three trillion or four trillion tomorrow, we have to be able to adjust much more dynamically to new experiences as they begin to emerge. The task force report, which was issued now at the end of August, and for those listening can be downloaded at Mm www.digitalfinancingtaskforce.org, www.digitalfinancingtaskforce.org, captures, we think, uh, quite a sophisticated picture as to what's going on at the nexus between digital finance and the SDGs. We have hundreds of examples, many, many links to different initiatives, highlight individuals as well as institutions that are doing work and draw analysis and conclusions and recommendations from that. But we're painfully aware yeah, that the shelf life of these sorts of static documents, particularly in the digital world, is really short. Yeah. And so the U.N. certainly, you know, has built a much more dynamic, interactive, continuous process of working in this area and indeed offering services and support to their members, you know, which are governments of countries. Um, uh, And uh, there are clearly a growing number of ecosystems of different actors that are in real time mode. In developing uh, and overseeing and highlighting different experiences in this space, so, so you know, prediction sadly, you know, is a dying uh, is a dying profession in many important areas, and this is certainly one of them. Whereas, kind of real time live platforms for continuous learning is really where we're going to have to go
0: yeah look uh, i think it makes sense and i guess if we cross-reference how we do everything else that we do we we don't expect like a pdf published six months ago to be as relevant as something that can be updated in like wikipedia i mean you know like you you imagine things stay current and relevant um so i mean that's it's been really interesting and it's also flown by and we will embed the links to um everything that's happening um i guess if well like does the project wrap up or what happens like uh what what where where do you go from here
1: yeah so so the the task force you know is i think quite rightly you know a pop-up platform for fixed duration it was created in november 2018 yeah and in fact will shut down in the next few days finally oh wow the at the end of october the assets Uh yeah The assets from the work, which are, you know, knowledge, networks, communities of practice, brand positioning, the ability to curate, um, leverage and influence will, in effect, be transferred to the mothership, you know, which is UNDP and UNCDF, which is the UN Capital Development Forum, which works most extensively on digital finance in LDCs, less developing countries. Um, uh, but clearly the work continues and, and and I guess I would point to the fact that the task force has in addition to doing analysis, running convenings, having conversations and publishing reports has catalyzed a number of specific pathfinder initiatives um, in different countries uh, that uh, will take forward some of the uh, recommendations that have been made. We don't have time to go into all of them now suffice to say that the example i gave from zimbabwe is indeed one it was an initiative created by echo cash but if you like catalyzed by the involvement of echo cash in the work of the task force
0: awesome um i think it's been really interesting and a really good uh overview of of what you're doing and the the positive things that that, that can come uh led led by this so Uh, thanks very much for your time and um, maybe we uh, can revisit in six to 12 months time and see see how it played out
1: absolutely thanks very much indeed simon for inviting me on
0: we hope you enjoyed that podcast and we'll be bringing you more across as diverse and interesting a range of stories as we can find you're welcome to reach out to us on twitter linkedin or by email and give us any feedback and let us know what you'd like us to cover in the future thanks and keep listening